when you're developing a brand, you have to be really consistent about retaining that brand image mm-hmm. and the way that you're presenting your brand to the general public needs to be consistent. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, it's episode 170. Today, we're talking about marketing, machine shops, and leadership with Jim Carr. Jim is a manufacturing leader, but more specifically, he's a CEO of an aerospace machine job shop and a long-running manufacturing podcaster. To add some color to both of those roles, Jim's company is Car Machine and Tool, a first-class AS9100D machine shop that produces flight-critical, precision-machined parts, primarily for the aerospace industry, and his podcast is My True Position. I love this show. It's it's more of an introspective, leadership-style manufacturing podcast that not only reflects on Jim's experience in this industry, but also he talks about what's going on inside his facility. It's pretty cool. So anyway, here are three things you can expect from this episode. First, we're going to hear a bit about Jim's background and how Car Machine and Tool got started as a family business over 50 years ago. Second, we're going to talk about leading through change. Car Machine and Tool, they've gone through some recent changes, and we talk about comfort zones. And then finally, three, we talk about marketing, how Jim got into it, what he's learned, all of that. There's something to be said about hearing this from the guy that's running the business itself. As always, if you want to learn more, make sure to go to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 170. And I've got a couple quick announcements for you before we dive into the interview itself today. First, I want to talk about an event that's coming up that I'm going to be at, and then I'm also going to be throwing a party at this event. It is the Midwest Manufacturers Trade Show and Conference taking place on February 20th and 21st, 2024 in Branson, Missouri. It's hosted by the Missouri Association of Manufacturers. It's bringing together manufacturers, suppliers, industry experts, advanced technologies, and support services from across the Midwest for two full days of learning. I'm a big fan of these mid-size regional manufacturing events. This show is one I've wanted to go to for the past couple years, and I finally got the opportunity. Like I said, it's on February 20th and 21st. And by the way, if you get there early on the 19th, we're gonna be throwing a little manufacturing happy hour pre-event that afternoon. So head down to Branson, Missouri for the Midwest Manufacturers Trade Show and Conference. I hope to see you there. And the other thing I'll say is that in the digital world, if you want to have conversations like the one I'm having today with Jim, if you want to be part of a community that's trying to elevate everyone in the manufacturing industry, well, hey, you need to be part of the Manufacturing Happy Hour industry community. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash community. Shoot me a message on LinkedIn. This group lives on LinkedIn. That's where this actual group takes place. The link takes you straight there. Do me a favor. If you want to join, please shoot me a quick connection request on LinkedIn or a quick note just so I know who you are, why you want to join. I will let you right in to the Manufacturing Happy Hour industry community. 
And with that, let's jump into today's conversation. It's time to meet up with Jim Carr. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, Jim. Thank you. Appreciate it. Pleasure to have you here as one of the first manufacturing podcasters I ever listened to. Well, thank you for that. I uh, It was back in the day in San Francisco when I was first getting into this. I would listen to your show while I was at uh, at the rock climbing gym. Mostly in the weight room, I would get on the wall a little bit towards the end of my tenure in San Francisco. But yeah, that's where I got familiar with you. Listen to me and all my tears and all the problems we were having uh, at the company and just my journey through manufacturing for all of these decades. It was a, a nice behind the scenes to hear you talking about what it was really like in the manufacturing space as someone that was running a machine shop. And I'm living it, baby. Yeah, you still are. And that's that's <laughs> that's one of the things that's going to be fun to talk about today. In fact, you know, before we get into that, question, yeah. the first thing I have to say is we're here at your new shop in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Beautiful spot. We'll talk about that in a second. But let's say we were having this conversation over drinks at a local bar. Where might that be? Paint the picture. Okay. Well, I'm not a tavern guy anymore because okay. I'm a mature adult now, right? So I like a first-class uh, restaurant, bar, nice TVs, mm -hmm. dimly lit, good drinks, good wine, good appetizers. It would be Perry's in Schaumburg, Illinois. Okay. That is my go-to fine dining restaurant and lounge. Okay. Tell what what makes Perry's special? Uh, the service is great, the food is good, and the vibe is equally as good. All so. Right. Dimly lit, great service, good options for wine and food. Going there tomorrow night, as a matter of fact, to celebrate my wife's birthday. So excellent. Well, congratulations to your wife. Thank you. Sounds like a lovely time. So we're we're here hanging out at Perry's. The vibe is right. The wine is great. When someone asks you this question over a glass of wine, I want to hear how you answer it. What does what does car machine and tool do? As if you're having wine with someone. What's your quick What's my elevator pitch? Yeah, what's your elevator pitch? We are an aerospace contract manufacturer, and we typically do work for space and exploration, aviation, medical, and emerging technologies. Quite a, dis quite a reversal from where we were in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s when we were servicing the commercial printing industry at mm. that time. So all of the uh, publications that were printed, i.e. the Chicago Tribune, Boston Globe, all the major newspapers, we made parts for all the working printing presses out there across the country. New parts and replacement parts. It was pretty lucrative. Is it safe to assume that one of the reasons you started pivoting or diversifying was that you saw the way the printed paper newspaper market was going? Is that correct? Yes, that is 100% correct. Well, I want to hear a little bit more history about Car Machine and Tool because okay. this is a second generation company now. Your father founded it, I believe, in 1972. You're correct. Is what you were saying. And December 2nd, 1972. And there's a picture behind me here in the conference room of your father racing cars at Soldier Field. Is that correct? That is. So in the 50s, my dad was working full time as a machinist in manufacturing 
and a group of him and his buddies used their hobby was racing stock cars. So they would buy uh, new vehicles. I believe in that picture, it's a 1958 Ford that they bought brand new modified it so it would be ready for the racetrack and he's racing it and that picture quite frankly is of him uh with the checkered flag he had just won that particular race and they take a lap around with the checkered flag out the window very cool and his mechanical inclinations were one of the reasons this company started correct i would have to say yes he was a driven man he had a lot of drive he liked to put in a lot of hours but he certainly had the mechanical aptitude for this industry. He he liked to work with cars. He could take apart an engine. He he was susceptible to that. So, yeah. Well, we're going to explore a bit about car machine and tool a little bit more. Kind of looking at it, at where it is now. I think one of the things that jumped out at me when I was doing my research for this conversation was, I heard you say that you want to look and act differently than a typical machine shop. I want to hear- I really what, do. And I want to hear what that means, but first yeah. let's set some baseline. Yeah, like yeah. What, what does a typical machine shop look like? Well, it depends on what you think it is. Okay. Um, a, a, a younger person, a Gen Xer, might think of it as a high-tech machine shop. Mm-hmm. However, being a baby boomer, I was brought up working in and being subjected to manufacturing is kind of a second class industry a second class career choice for people that weren't educated and it was mostly looked at as a low paying job Mm. it's completely different now as far as i'm concerned and i want to be the one that's going to lead the charge to tell the world that it's not like that anymore people parents need to be educated to know that this industry is just the opposite of what they think that, uh, it was back in the 70s or even the 60s. It's completely high tech. Mm-hmm. It's a very well-paid job nowadays. Mm-hmm. And you could certainly work for a manufacturer and you know support a family for the rest of your life in this industry. So I like that you talk about the nature of the work, high tech, well paid. You were talking about the vibe at Perry's. Let's talk about the vibe when you walk in car machine and tool. The new car. The new car machine and tool. Yes, Yes. you have a new facility as of just a couple years ago. Yeah. Really. So it was it was deliberate, Chris. Mm -hmm. When when we were getting crowded out of our old facility and things were we were starting to get a lot of horsepower, right? Uh, we knew it was coming. Ryan, my son, came into the business. We knew we wanted to do something different. We wanted to make a significant change. And I said, well, if we're going to do this, I only have one more opportunity to make it my own. The old place was my dad's facility. I have always felt like I was living under his shadow. So this was my opportunity to put my own brand on my business. Mm-hmm. So... When we knew we wanted to move, I thought, I need to make it reflective of what I envision a first-class aerospace manufacturing company looks and acts like. So, again, we hired architect, we hired interior design, we hired a designer for the shop floor to actually 
uh, figure out where the machines, the, the most efficient way to put the machines on the shop floor. It was an endeavor, but I knew I only had one opportunity to do it right. And I believe I did. And the objective was to, to be attractive to uh, a higher end OEM, to the aerospace companies that I think can take us to the next level. Mm -hmm. Tesla, Virgin Galactic, SpaceX, they're higher end high tech. And I believe if you match your brand to the companies that you're trying to attract, uh, it's good synergies. Yeah. And, and I felt it just walking into the facility you kind of pointed it out you talked about the how you designed the shop floor but there's also some intentionality to the front of house as well where you know you go you see the offices you got the conference room and then down the hall you have a lounge where you can entertain we customers as yep. well and it's kind of a natural flow of how a meeting yep. might go here as well and yep. you don't see that everywhere in this day and age well i i would like to say that in my 20s, while I was working full time at CAR, in the evenings I would go and I would work as a bartender. So that's where I learned what hospitality is all about. Yeah. So I kind of have a hospitality background, which I like, mm -hmm. and I have the manufacturing background that I've been doing my entire career, and I've kind of brought them together. And I'm sure you're going to ask me about my marketing savvy as well. Definitely. Because that's another innate thing that I just absolutely love. Well, uh, you know, I want to get something for the the leaders out here that are listening. What is the most tangible lesson you learned from your days as a bartender that has helped you in your manufacturing career? So I remember when I was being trained as a bartender and my manager came up to me. This is this is crazy that you're asking me this question. This is going back quite a few it decades, is, it, Chris. It is manufacturing happy hour. What other podcast yeah. is going to solve this I mean, question. I loved it. I mean, I had my whole setup. I could feel my jigger right here. Mm -hmm. And my bartender says, so the cocktail waitress comes up to the bar and she's got 15 drinks for you to make, right? There's a extra dry vodka martini. There's an old fashioned. There's a Manhattan. There's an old style. Uh, and, and there's a rum and Coke, a Bacardi and Coke. Yeah. She told me if you're going to pick up that bottle of booze one time, make sure you only pick it up once to fulfill all the shots in each different drink. So, Ooh. right. So, how that's translated into my career is if you're doing something, you only want to do it one time. You only want to touch something one time. And I try to, like in shipping and receiving, for instance, you, you, you want to be able to do as much at once. You know, I, I, I remember the like 15 iced glasses I had in front of me. Yeah. And, you know, one was a Belvedere martini. That would be a two ounce pour. And then the next one would be a Belvedere and tonic. Um, those are all kinds of takeaways that I remember. So I think that in life, this small lesson was only do something once. Only if you're going to do something, pick it up only once and utilize it. Yeah, I, I like the direction you went with that because you very easily could have gone a hospitality lesson with that. But it's it's funny that it's actually a, in many ways, a process lesson, a manufacturing lesson that yeah. came from that. So, no, I love that. I, it, w one other thing I want to ask is, as we kind of go through this, we were talking about how you're in a new facility now. I mean, I've been seeing 
a lot of very tangible changes in your career as of late between the new location for car, machine, and tool, you know, all, all things considered down the street from where you were before, but a much bigger spot yep. um, that's allowed you to make it your own. You also started a new podcast, My True Position. You've been doing a lot of changes. So how do you know when it's time to make a move like that? I'd love to mm. hear your take on this and, and what folks can learn from that, that whether they're leading a department, leading a company, or they're just starting their manufacturing careers. Well, I think you have to you have to feel it. Mm -hmm. I think that we sometimes get caught up in the day of the day with our life and we're living inside our bubble and we're just inside our box mm -hmm. and we're just bouncing around. And after a while you get tired and you need, you need to put a spark in your life. And, you know, I, I often talk and many podcasts I've shared this with is I imagine a rectangle and I, years ago in the, 70s 80s there were before the uh, video games came out there was a an atari game called pong and i remember it would bing 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 and you'd go back and forth and it was a very simple platform right and when i think about expanding our boxes our careers i think about that pong game and i think about that thing bouncing inside that rectangle and most people in their life and career live inside that box and it's mm -hmm. just binging all you know and it's that size for decades yeah but if you expand the sides an eighth or a quarter of an inch guess what your box is going to get bigger and for you to only gain an eighth or a quarter of an inch is only going to make you feel a little uncomfortable it's not going to be painful mm -hmm. it's just going to be a little uncomfortable so i always tell people expand the sides of your boxes that you live in and work in and bring yourself into the to the uncomfortable zone for just a little bit and i guarantee it's going to be a short-lived uncomfortable zone and then you're going to end up having a bigger box and then you go back and you go into your outside of your comfort zone a little bit more and your box gets bigger and bigger when did you first realize you needed to expand your box i just think of this from the standpoint of you're working at a family company i'm curious when you might have had that moment because tell me if i'm wrong i feel like at a family company you might feel like you're in that box to begin with it's sure. like hey this is a company my dad started this is the way things yep. are done i'd be curious to hear your story on yep. when you started doing those box expansions because a big thing i heard from that answer is it's not just a one-time change the box it's something you got to constantly makes it grow you need to put yourself outside of your comfort zone all the time until you're comfortable. And once you're comfortable, you need to expand it into the uncomfortable zone for a little bit until you feel it. So 2004, I took full possession of the business. I'm, I still today am 100% shareholder. I'm the president of the company. 2008, we had one of the worst recessions in, the, in our industry. It was very painful. It was uh, emotionally I, I almost got sick to having to uh, lay off employee after employee after employee. So I knew I had to make a change. The change was I needed to be, I needed to network more, I needed to market more, and I needed to do more sales. Because that, I felt, was the thing that was holding us back. We weren't global enough, and we people didn't know about us. Mm -hmm. So I tend to 
uh, be around creatives. I like creative people. Mm -hmm. I think they're interesting. And marketing people are those type of people. Mm, okay. So I'm attracted to people in the in the marketing industry, and I learned I, I gained some good friends, and I was able to learn from them on marketing. And what do you know? I happen to like that, and I happen to have an innate uh, ability to market myself as well. So I did that uh, back then. I never looked back. And when Ryan, my son, joined the company in 2014, I said, now is the time that I can take my passion, which is marketing, and really develop this business while Ryan runs the operations. I can okay. run the sales and marketing portion of it. And it's it really, I'm really in the right seat mm -hmm. right now in my entire career. I have mechanical aptitude. I know how to run CNC machines. I know GDNT. I know pro, uh, programming. I could tell from our tour today. You yeah, still, you still I, got the chops. I got <laughs> it. I, I know all that, but but my passion is really in leadership and developing the business, branding, marketing. I love it. I yeah. really do. We'll be back in a moment, but first, a quick word from our sponsor. Gray Solutions isn't just a systems integrator. They're a team of intellectual rebels on a mission to revolutionize smart manufacturing through innovation. Now, I've worked with a lot of systems integrators before, and I can say that the crew at Gray Solutions is the first group that comes to mind when I'm looking for a team with the creativity to solve unique problems in the automation world. While plenty of companies have the tech, Gray Solutions has the talent. Their 275 solutioneers and counting are in the trenches with their customers every day, collaborating and overcoming the challenges of modern manufacturing. At Gray Solutions, they let curiosity lead their solutioneers to develop better outcomes for the manufacturers they serve. And if you want to hear how they do that, make sure to check out episode 158 of Manufacturing Happy Hour for a full interview with their founder and CEO, Walker Maddox. Walker has stories that showcase his team's true expertise in digital transformation, OT cybersecurity, robotics, vision, process packaging, turnkey solutions, you name it. You'll hear how Walker has created a culture where solutioneers are empowered to create smarter solutions and blaze new trails in automation. To listen, go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 158 or head to graysolutions.com to connect with a solutioneer today. When curiosity leads, success follows. And now, back to today's episode. We're going to get to branding and marketing very soon. A couple Good. other things on, on the leadership front. And actually, part of your initial answer here a second ago, you talk about expanding the box. You need to feel it. There's got to be that spark. How do you make sure that's like not a superficial spark, that there's some strategy behind it? Sometimes you just got to go for it. Okay. Sometimes you just got to go for it. And you know what? Who cares? You it, it, If you if you try and fail, that's good. Yeah. Because you learned. And the, the takeaway from failing is going to be great. You just don't want to put yourself out there too much. So if you fail, you die. You don't want to die, right? Sure. You just want to feel a little uncomfortable. So always put yourself out there just a little. I always say baby steps forward. Baby steps into the uncomfortable zone. And then- it doesn't become uncomfortable anymore. It becomes very comfortable and you've expanded. Yeah. Yeah. The things that used to be 
uncomfortable become comfortable, but yeah. something else that there's obviously discomfort in other new things you haven't tried before. There is definitely discomfort in other new things for sure. One, uh, one other thing that stuck out in this part of the conversation was you mentioned 2008 with the recession was a time where you realized, hey, I need to network more. I need to do more sales and I need to do more marketing. Yep. I feel like those are some things that were like, okay, if I do that, I'm going to be ready the next time this comes around. A hundred percent, Chris. How did you lead through that immediate moment? Because I've heard what it was like working at machine shops during that time, like just an insane amount of canceled orders. It's like a majority of business dries up overnight. I don't know if that was the case here, but those are just the it stories I've heard. I had to lay off 65% of my workforce. Wow. Yeah. It was one by one, one a week, you know, it was just, I had to tell them, I'm sorry, there's no more work. You're going to have to go home. The agony that I felt in advance of telling them that I had to lay them off was actually worse than once I said it. It was like, they were like, I get it, Jim. It's okay. We watch the news every night. We know yeah. what's going on. We know yeah. the economy's horrible. So it I, I learned that I was agonizing more than I should have over it. What advice would you give to someone out someone out there that's listening that inevitably is going to need to lead through a hard time in their career? So what I did, the networking. So I, we were uh, members of a local manufacturing association that we really weren't engaged with for decades. Mm, okay. They hired a new marketing manager to help the members market themselves and i engaged with this person his name is kent gladish and we got along we were the right we were the nearly the same age we had the similar interests and we started talking about marketing and he said jim you need to join this committee jim you need to uh join this committee jim you need to come to this event and i started to meet like-minded industry specific peers in the industry and i started growing my network that way it led into board of director service from the board of directors of this association they asked me to come onto their executive team and then i ended up being the chairman of the board in 2016. so right now i have a solid personal board of directors from all of these people that i've engaged with for the last 10, 12 years. So building that personal board of directors. Building that. If I have a problem in my business, I know I have a, I have a core handful group of people that I could go to and say, hey, I have a really bad pro I have a problem here. Mm -hmm. I need your help, you guys. Let's get a beer. Let's get a glass of wine. Yeah. Let's get a martini and let's talk it out. And this is applicable advice to anyone at any age level in their career to right. start building that. I started late. To refine. I started late. But I did it. So one thing I'm, I'm going to bring up a, di a different topic here, and I'll throw a quick plug in for you as well on Thanks. your podcast, My True Position. Thanks. Um, I was listening to that in preparation for this interview, and I always like pulling some of the topics that come out this from that. This is my true position. <laughs> this is Manufacturing Happy Hour today, but it's going to feel a little like my true position here, here for a second. By the way, if you like Manufacturing Happy Hour and you're out there listening, check out his show. I mean- Honestly, all ships rise with the tide. If you like one manufacturing podcast and yours is really cool because you go behind the scenes with like what's hot on the shop floor. You give like a little visibility into how your business is running in addition to having like a topic du jour of the day that you address. Literally, well. I mean, what's hot on the shop floor could be something that happened an hour before I record yeah. it. 
Yeah. So I just let it go. It's a very nice, transparent look into the business. And and one thing that stuck out that I wanted to ask you more about was you have rocks every quarter. I think you say something, you have a rock every quarter. I might be getting it slightly out of context. No. Tell me about that. I want to learn a little bit more about So that. one of the big changes we we decided to tackle to to create this roadmap, this vi- this vision for corporate uh, success for uh, to grow the business was we decided to read the book Traction by okay. Gino Wickman. It's an uh, it's called EOS. It's the Entrepreneurial Operating System. Within the operation, the Entrepreneurial Operating System is um, a process called creating quarterly and annual rocks. Rocks are goals. Mm-hmm. They just call it rocks. Sure. And you commit to a rock every quarter and then you're held accountable to see if you've achieved that rock or that goal for that quarter. So when we were having our weekly and quarterly EOS meetings, we knew we were, we knew we needed to move. Mm-hmm. So my rock was find a building. Yeah. I did that. I achieved it. I found a building. And then the next rock for the next quarter was buy the building. Yeah. Guess what? Here this we is, are. This is a rock. Yeah. So it's all about setting goals. It's I, all about goal setting. And you're telling your team that this is my goal. And uh, you have to be okay. accountable to them. It's all about accountability. I was gonna, Everyone needs accountability in life, right? Totally. I was Well, I was going to ask you, how do you hold yourself accountable? Because at this stage in my career, I'm a, I'm a goal-oriented guy. Like, I get stuff done that I set. But I can tell you, there are plenty of times where, you know, the year goes around and it's like, oh, that was my goal like three quarters ago and I did not do it. Like, I think I that know. happens to anyone. It's, so. it's okay, Chris. <laughs> Here's the thing. You set a goal. And you really tried. I guess you really tried. I don't know. Yeah. I, you yeah. know you know how much you tried. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We all try on different levels, but if you don't make it, you can say, at least I tried. Yeah. And you've got experience now that if you set another like-minded goal, you're going to have more resources to make to achieve that goal for the next time. Well, I think one thing I'm learning is a young entrepreneur right now is finding that right accountability group because i'm running a very different business than you do i've it's a solo llc right now sure. brand new uh, step you know dipping my foot in the entrepreneurial waters but you'll be the, fine the accountability message was a helpful reminder for yeah. sure and hopefully helpful for all of you out there as well so anyway let's let's bring this back to a big topic that we've been hinting at throughout this conversation and that's marketing and mm-hmm. I, you know, I've heard you say it on the podcast and other conversations, and, and you said it right when I walked through the door as well, that you are very focused on brand. And it's yes. very apparent, just, again, going back to the vibe of what it feels like to mm-hmm. walk into car, machine, and tool. Like, where did that come from? Like, that doesn't seem to be the inherent thing for most manufacturing leaders. I mean, you went, you know, you gave your father as an example, mechanically inclined and driven. Those were the things that he excelled at. But- you're a branding guy. Where does that come mm-hmm. from? Hmm. I realized at some point in my career, in my life, that you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. And I realized in the simplest of terms, like shopping, like the Nordstrom brand, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone knows, or maybe not, what, what it's like to shop 
at an upscale brand like Nordstrom. And it's mm-hmm. when you think of it, everyone has an idea of what how they their brand impression, their brand perception of that store is. Yes. So I I thought about that and I always my dad would always say, Jim, for ten cents more you can go first class. Well, back in the seventies it was ten cents. Nowadays it's not, right? <laughs> can't even comprehend. You can't that. even comprehend. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, he, he he was making fun of it, but at the end of the day he was saying spend a little bit more and really get something nice. Yeah. I took that to the next level. Mm-hmm. So I I I understood what that meant and I felt it and I liked it and I got it and I get what people say when they say what is your brand and what is your brand impression what when people mm-hmm. think of car what do they think about and when you're developing a brand you have to be really consistent about about retaining that brand image mm-hmm. and you have to keep hitting it and you have to the the information and the way that you're presenting your brand to the general public needs to be consistent yeah i i like that answer a lot i, I want to ask you about something else around it because there are so many elements that go into branding and marketing there's a lot one of them being social media because I feel like you adopted this a lot sooner than a lot of other people in our industry did. Yep. You you were running the podcast a lot earlier. You were on LinkedIn a lot earlier. Yep. Why did you decide to try that out back? I don't know. Maybe I can't remember. What, I think you said well, you've my been kids were in high school. Your kids were in high school. Okay. So I, that would have been about that. 15 years ago. Okay. Right. Okay. So you saw it from their, their eyes a little bit. I saw them on our family computer. Uh, what was the thing before Facebook? MySpace. MySpace, yeah. My, MySpace, right? I saw them on MySpace, and then at that time, Facebook was just coming out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they were so enthralled with this social media, and I didn't really understand it. And I sat with them, and I made, you know, just looking over their shoulder and trying to absorb it and understand it. And I thought, Hey, this is this is a great way to promote my business because businesses were just starting mm-hmm. to show themselves, expose themselves on social media. So I thought, what have I got to lose? But I remember early on, Chris, people in my manufacturing association that saw me on that platform, that me putting car machine, and they thought sure. they had they thought I was nuts. They had no idea. Because it was new and it was different. And sometimes people are afraid to do something a little different, right? Well, and and I remember when I started doing it back in 2016, like I at least had the excuse of people looking at being like, oh, well, he's basically a kid. Of course, he's using social media right. for his business. But you're like a seasoned executive at this point. Yeah, I, I thought, you know what the hell have I got to lose? I've got nothing to lose. Let's try it. That's you a know? great lesson right there. Just yes. in general, in the context just of anything. Pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone, right? Yep. Yes. Yep. That's what it's, that was, that was me making my box bigger. Just pushing myself out of, who cares what people think? And yep. I think that's what most people, what holds people back in their career is because they're too concerned about what other people are going to think. You know, you have to do what you feel. You have to do what you feel 
is the right thing for you. Mm -hmm. You have to live your authentic self, right? You can't be held back by what other people are going to think about. And that's a big, that's a big, that's a big aha moment for me. Yeah. So. What made you decide to stick with it then? Because I can tell you one of the reasons I stuck with social media at first was just because it was fun. It is kind of fun. I was having a good time with it. I wasn't getting immediate business results from it. I was seeing some little inklings of, okay, people are paying attention to me that might not have been before. You get a little high on, uh, you know couple you get a couple hundred likes you get you know you get a little it gets a gives, the endorphins go off right sure yeah but what but what made you keep going then because that's it's very easy to be like oh, i tried this it was fun but i didn't really see a lot of immediate results well you could have very easily thrown it on the back burner and not done it again it's free yeah it's free marketing yeah it's free branding mm-hmm. um and it's a really immediate way to get the word out yeah it doesn't get any more immediate than that right very true. How do we get our news nowadays? How do we get our, you know, political, uh, how do we get our, we, we're bombarded by it from it, right. from like 10 different angles. I can go on my Instagram feed and I can tell you what's happening right, right yeah. now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because that's where the news comes from is my social media feed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gone are the days you pick up a newspaper, right? The newspaper, yeah. by the time that printed piece of paper gets in your hands, that news is way old. Yeah. Now we're getting him. I mean, I remember when Michael Jackson died, I logged onto my mm-hmm. Facebook page and I saw it. Somebody, a really obscure person had posted that he had died. And I'm sure. like, wow, that's, that was like cr- 2009, 2010. That was a long time ago. Yeah, I don't remember. That was, that was probably when Facebook and social media were becoming more of those news sources for yes. people. A little yep. more mainstream than they had been before. Yeah. The next round of our interviews coming up right after a word from our sponsor. Three M's Clash of the Grinders Student Edition is a high-stakes grinding and welding competition that pits soon-to-be pros against each other to find rising stars in the skilled trades. You can catch this one-of-a-kind video series now by subscribing to 3M Abrasive's YouTube channel by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 3M. Think of this series like a manufacturing reality show, where the top winner receives a whopping $10,000 scholarship sponsored by Fanuc. Now, why is 3M doing this? Well, 3M is on a mission to create 5 million skilled trade and STEM learning experiences designed to inspire curiosity, improve educational outcomes, and provide transformational opportunities for underrepresented individuals. Make sure to subscribe to 3M Abrasives on YouTube so that you don't miss a single new episode of Clash of the Grinders Student Edition. Again, manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 3M will take you right there. And now, back to today's episode. So then how has your strategy with it evolved over the years? Now that you've had 10 years runway with it and you've gotten to see... Or how have you seen it pay off in your career? I, I don't know. I you know people always say, "Do you think it's do you think it's awarded you any new business?" Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I can say exactly if it's, but I know it gave me thought leadership. I know it gave me it really promoted my brand. And if somebody was on the fence about going to car. Mm-hmm. For to have us do their machine parts, but they saw my social media presence 
and my brand on social media mm-hmm. was high mm-hmm. and they thought, hey, this guy knows his crap. Mm-hmm. He's a thought leader in the industry that might have tipped them off to go ahead and it would have been, it's, it would have sealed the deal. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. Cause I, I kind of think of it as, and I do think there are some tangible times where I can point to it's where it's like, yes, my podcast resulted in this new relationship, this new client, whatever it is. But I think, I feel like it's the consistency. Like you, you talk about having a consistent brand, but that consistent voice online as well. The fact that your podcast is coming out at the frequency that it does, the fact that you're on LinkedIn on a regular basis. I just feel like that part is additive that I like, if I think of all the stuff that I've put online now, I'm like, I know that's driving a ton of the business, the brand that people see around me. At at least that's some of my perspective around it, that it's almost been, it's just been so much over time that there's no way to ignore it, that it's been something that's been there. I mean, it, it's not going away. I wish I could do it more. I just, it's just a time thing. Um, I'm probably not doing it as much as I used to, mm-hmm. but I'm doing it uh, for the podcast consistently, for sure. I think consistency is key. Um, of course, I always say in social media, more is more, mm-hmm. but consistency is really, really important. If you're only going to post one or two or three times a week, make sure it's consistent on the days of the week and the times yeah. that you post, because people get used to seeing that. On the regular basis, just like we release our podcasts on a certain day of the week, right? Yep. There's yep. consistency in that. People don't want to be, you know, some days it's on a Wednesday, some days it's on a Friday, some days it's on a Sunday. It it confuses people and people don't like to be confused. Well, one thing I think I saw with what you've done over the years is I feel like I've been able to watch the Jim Carr story during this time. Oh, it's interesting. Not, it's not like insights. Uh, I think all the insights add up over time, right? And I'm learning a lot from you along the way, but I'm also, you know, it wasn't new news that you had moved facilities. I had heard this through whether it was the podcast, whether it was from LinkedIn. I don't know where I got the information, but, you know, I was watching your business evolve during that time. It's almost like a narrative. That was fun. It was a fun time. I was really, I was enjoying promoting it. I was enjoying giving teasers, little video teasers of how the building was Mm -hmm. uh, going. That was fun. It was fun. Yeah. I've, it's an idea I've been throwing out there that I'm like, I feel like consistent social media presence, podcasting, whatever it is, it's a consistent form of storytelling that other people can't touch overnight, right? That's something that develops over time to be part of, part of that person's career business story that's going on. So another question on this topic, why don't other manufacturers think of marketing the way you do then? I think you're an obvious success story at it. Like people that are watching your story can see it. Why aren't other people jumping on board with this idea? I have no clue. I don't know. I I don't know. I I was hoping you had an answer. (laughs) A, I think that typically manufacturers are a little bit reclusive they're introverts rather mm-hmm. than um being the opposite i think that's norm again i'm a little different i think you have to be passionate about it if if people don't really understand it they get scared about it and then they don't want to do it yeah if you're new to social media and you create a post and put it out there you're probably you know wondering, am I doing it right? And let's face it, we all know as veteran 
social media errs, it doesn't have to be a perfect post, right? Right. It's got to be good. Yeah. I always focus on the image because I figure you've got a millisecond to attract that person as you're scrolling through your news feed, right? Yep. So I focus a lot on the image quality Mm -hmm. and I try to, the text in my posts, I try to keep it as short and sweet as possible because I personally don't like to read a lot. Mm -hmm. I need it really quick. Picture, idea, what is it about? If it interests me, I stay. If not, I keep scrolling. And I like that you have a formula that works for you because there are other people that do the long written posts and it works yep. great for them. It does. Right? And it, it does. And and I think one of the big takeaways from that is come up with your own style for doing it. And I tell people this all the time. It's like, if it's a bad post, it's just going to get lost in the ether of social media within like an hour a day anyway. No one's going to look at you funny and be like, I can't believe you shared that, right? Like, it's, no one's going to care. It's just going to disappear. Exactly. If, if it's not getting any horsepower, it's not yeah. going to show up on people's news feeds, right? Yeah. And on the flip side, it might help out even just one person if it's a good post. And I think we get lost in the whole, hey, a lot of people have to see it. It's like, hey, if that impacts one person in an incredible way, whether it's helping them in their career, whether it's new business for you, whatever it is, it's kind of the same thing as making a sales call. I don't think it's the end all for marketing, but I think it's definitely when you're looking at marketing like a piece of like a pie and there's a there's slices for all the different components of marketing. I believe it's mm-hmm. a, a significant slice of the pie. I don't think it's quite twenty five percent, but sure. I think it's close. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important, but I don't think it's the end all. You have to have everything else together. Yeah. Since we're in the middle of a marketing conversation, yeah. what are some of the other core components of the pie for someone out there that's like, okay, I know social media is part of it. What are well, the you have a good that, website. You have right? to have good video. You have to have good imagery. You have to have uh, a good brand. Brand in the context that we talked about today, not just the logo, it's the feeling. It's and is the it feeling. Is everything, right. is everything, is everything consistent? Well, the logo's got to be consistent with the brand, right? Agreed. Agreed. Because yes. people don't understand that logos really do define what the brand is all about right mm, i like that yeah, yeah. it There's really does. An, i'm looking at your logo yeah. right out front there's yeah. an aerospace vibe to your logo and i know that's not Damn, an accident you got it you got it it's not an accident but look at how simple it is oh yeah absolutely it's just the a yep it's just the a so what and when i saw that when my graphic designer presented that to me i knew immediately within within it just hit 30 yeah, seconds it, it was it goes back to a feeling you're like you knew it was it that's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And by the way, everyone out there listening, there are going to be links to connect with Jim. You can see the logo firsthand for most of you that are listening to the audio podcast today. We're nearing the end of our interview. We I've are. A couple more. We are. I'm having we fun. Are. Well, you've got a party to throw after this. I do. So I do. <laughs> I know we can't go on forever tonight. I actually have a Christmas party to go to as well because we're recording this around the holiday season. We are. This will come out. It'll still be cold for most people when they listen to this. But uh, anyway, don't want to get too far off track here. One thing I have to ask you is this is something I've always kind of like admired about the way you run your businesses. What what keeps you young at heart? Like you're always trying new things. You have high energy and and you said it yourself, you're you're a baby boomer. Like you've been doing this a long time. You could easily be phoning it in right now. That's a good question. That's a very good question. Somebody just asked me that two nights ago. Um I like to work. Yeah. I, I, I'm passionate about what I do. I am in the right seat in my career mm-hmm. right now 
So I'm most happy in my career right now leading the the vision for this company. Yeah. That that is why I think I have all of this hyped up energy and um passion for what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, I tell my employees and I give them performance reviews, listen, it's not about me. It's not about car machine and tool. It's about you. Mm-hmm. And if you are not passionate about what you're doing, you're never going to be 100% happy in your career and you're never going to achieve that high level, that mm-hmm. high income or, or being happy. Mm-hmm. So whatever that passion is, you need to find it, whether it's here at Car or whether it's at another company. If it's here at Car and you're not doing what is making you happy in your role, talk to me. Let me know how you're, what you're passionate about. Maybe I can create a new role for you here at Car or move you into a different role at Car where you're really going to thrive. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I think it feeds into one. Final question is, you know, you talked about the things you wanted to accomplish with car. You talk about the rocks, you moved the shop, you created a facility that felt more like one, you know, one of your own versus the one where it had been before. What do you do to prepare your team to prepare? You said Ryan came on in 2014. What do you do to prepare this spot for the future? So that way their visions are coming to life as well. Being strategic and how I set up the succession and not making it a short term, making it a long term visibility and sharing that vision with my entire team. Mm, I like it. Transparency. Transparency. Well, hey, this has been an excellent conversation. I always like to keep it open at the end. That Was there anything you wish I would have asked you that, that didn't come up in today's discussion? No, I think you hit it all. Being that I am a veteran in the industry, I've seen a lot in my career And I know I've said it during this interview already, but I genuinely believe two things. Pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone is important for you to advance in your life, your personal life and your career. Two, being passionate about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I think that is really just a a critical component uh, for evolution and promotion and being successful. I think uh, those are two great ways to wrap up the conversation, put a ribbon around everything we've talked about, Christmas pun intended as we do that. I did have one more question for you. So you're a wine guy. I am. What wine is your go-to wine? What wine are we going to be drinking next time we have this conversation? (laughs) Um, Well, my wife and I both drink wine. My wife only drinks white. Okay. Uh, She very rarely drinks red. So I drink a lot of white. Um, we drink a lot of Chardonnay. Um, right now, we're enjoying Rombauer Chardonnay. It's out of Napa Valley. It's okay. uh, really uh, a good representative of the Caneros uh, area in Napa, which, you know, they have all their subclimates in um, Oh, I know. Napa. I used to live out there. I would yeah. go up there frequently. The sub- yeah, it was great. So I, we're drinking, well, we don't drink it every night because it's a high-end Chardonnay. The thing is, once, sure. you, once you start drinking wine- And you and get you, into that category, it sets a higher baseline for what everyday wine is. I don't. So, uh, but Rombauer is what we're drinking nowadays. All right. Rombauer Chardonnay, the next time we have a conversation. Jim, thank you so much for jumping on today's podcast. You're welcome. My pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. 
Hey, thank you for listening. To everyone out there, if you want to connect with Jim Carr, which I recommend you do, you can go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 170 for the show notes for this episode. There you can find a link to Jim's LinkedIn. You can also get links to his podcast, My True Position, the book, Traction, that we were talking about in this interview. Then finally, Perry's in Schaumburg, Illinois. I will say there are a bunch of Perry's locations, but I like describing it that way so it sounds more like it's a a local restaurant. Anyway, a lot of good resources over there at the show notes page. As always, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Gray Solutions, 3M. Thank you for sponsoring this show. And finally, do not miss the Midwest Manufacturers Trade Show and Conference taking place on February 20th and 21st, 2024 in Branson, Missouri. The Missouri Association of Manufacturers is putting this event on. It's bringing together manufacturers, suppliers, industry experts from across the region. And I should also mention that the theme for this year's event is Never Fly Solo. It's going to be very partnership-centric, but also Lieutenant Colonel Waldo Waldman is the keynote speaker at this event, and his book is also titled Never Fly Solo. Last thing I'll say about this is there's going to be a manufacturing happy hour event taking place on the Monday before this kicks off on February 19th. So make sure you're heading to this year's Midwest Manufacturers Trade Show and Conference. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating and review over at Apple Podcasts or over at Spotify. And the final, final thing I'll say is that if you want to join a community of manufacturing industry leaders, well, go to the Manufacturing Happy Hour industry community on LinkedIn. Manufacturinghappyhour.com slash community will take you straight there. Shoot me a direct message. Shoot me a note. Request to join. It is a private group, so I do want context before I let you in. But hey, just shoot me a note. Say you heard about it on this show. We will have you in that group in no time. Anyway, with that, stay innovative, stay thirsty, and thank you again for sticking around for another week of Manufacturing Happy Hour. We'll see you again real soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.